Chapter Nineteen of the Straighten Street Affair by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter the Nineteenth, the Track of Despujol. Having decided to still remain in Madrid, I deemed it advisable to engage the services of a private inquiry agent to watch the movements of De Gex and Suzot, who still remained at the Ritz. The mystery man living under an assumed name never went out in the daytime, though Suzot often went forth, paying visits to certain banks and commercial offices in connection with the proposed new railway. The man we engaged was an elderly ex-detective of the Seville police named Pardot, who very soon discovered the identity of the secret agent employed to keep surveillance upon de Gex on behalf of the police, so that no harm should befall him. In consequence, I took Pardot into my confidence, and calling him to my hotel, explained that I desired to keep secret watch upon the Frenchman Suzot, without the knowledge of the detective watching de Gex. I particularly desire to know the addresses of any telegram which Suzot may send. Probably he may send some message to Italy. If so, please discover the address and the text of the message. I believe that de Gex might communicate with Moroni, now that the plot of Despujol had failed. I will watch, signor, was the grey-haired Spaniard's reply. If signor Suzot sends any telegram, I shall probably obtain a copy of it. They know me well at the chief telegraph office. Signor Suzot appears to be transacting a considerable amount of business in Madrid. A scheme for a new railway, I understand. Yes, I know. All I want you to do is to find out who visits Mr. De Gex, and whether any telegrams are sent by either him or Mr. Suzot. I quite understand, signor, was the detective's reply as he rose, and a few minutes later withdrew. Late in the evening, two days afterwards, I returned to the hotel to find the man Pardot awaiting me. After I had taken him up to my room and closed the door, he drew a piece of paper from his pocket saying in French, Signor Suzot sent a telegram at half-past eight this evening, of which this is a copy. The message he handed me was in a pencil scribble, and was in English as follows. Charles Rebel, Rue de la Landa, 163, Montauban. Important that I should see you. Meet me at the Hotel Luxembourg, Limez, without fail, next Monday at noon. O. The initial O stood for Oswald, Oswald de Gex. So the mystery men of Europe contemplated leaving Madrid. I thanked the man Pardot, who said, Signor Suzot did not dispatch the telegram from the chief office in the Calle de Corio, but from the branch office in the Plaza del Progreso. He apparently wished to send it in secret. I wonder why, I asked. The Spaniard raised his shoulders. The address conveyed nothing to me, but the message was proof that de Gex intended to leave Spain, and further it was a source of satisfaction to know his destination in case he slipped away suddenly. After Pardot had gone I sat and pondered. It struck me as very curious that Suzot should have gone to a distant telegraph office in order to send the message. It seemed that he feared to be recognized by the counter-clerk at the chief telegraph office. For over an hour I smoked reflectively. I confessed that a curious ill-defined suspicion had arisen in my mind a suspicion that became so strong that, just about eleven o'clock, I entered the Fatura Superior de Policia in the Calais de la Princesa, 
and again inquired for Signor Andrade. Fortunately he had been detained in his office, and I was shown into his presence. He seemed surprised to see me, but at once he became interested when I said, I have a distinct suspicion that I know the whereabouts of Despajol. Have you? he exclaimed quickly. What causes you to suspect? A man whom I believe to be an acquaintance of his has today sent an urgent telegram to Charles Rebel, Rue de la Landa, 163 in Montauban, in France, making an appointment to meet him at the Hotel Luxembourg at Nimes next Monday at noon. Who is his friend? he asked eagerly. I regret, Signor Andrade, that I am not in a position to answer that question. The whole matter is only one of suspicion, very strong suspicion. The chief of police looked very straight at me. Ah, then you are in a position of certain secret knowledge concerning the man who made such a dastardly attempt upon your life, he remarked. And you suspect this Charles Rabel at Montauban to be the fugitive, eh? Exactly, I replied. He asked me to repeat the address, which he scribbled down, and then looking up said, Personally, Signor Garfield, I think your suspicions are unfounded. Despujol, if he is ever found, will be discovered in hiding somewhere in the mountains of the north. But why not in Montauban? I asked. He is apparently a well-educated man, judging from his conversation with me. He speaks French well, and perhaps passes as a French subject. He could pass for a Spaniard, an Italian, a Greek, or a Frenchman, Andrade remarked. And as forged passports are so cheap nowadays, and almost impossible to detect, the means of escape of such a daring criminal are both numerous and easy. But, he added, I am interested in this person whom you believe to be a friend of the fugitive. Cannot you tell me who he is? I shook my head and smiling replied, I have only come here to tell you of a very distinct suspicion I entertain, that Despujol is at Montauban. Then his friend is your enemy, eh? he suggested, his dark penetrating eyes fixed upon mine. You know the motive of that trap which Despajol set for you, and yet you will not reveal it to me? Again I shook my head and smiled. It would make my task much easier, he remarked. I am aware of that. But at present mine is only a suspicion. I have no actual knowledge that Charles Robel is the man you are so desirous of arresting. And you really refuse to tell me who sent this message? he asked in a tone of disappointment. It was sent in secret, I answered. Indeed, it was that fact which caused me to suspect. You can, of course, obtain the original of the telegram by applying for it from the authorities. But it is only signed by an initial. How did you obtain knowledge of it? Again, I have no intention of disclosing the source of my information, Signor Andrade, I replied as politely as I could. I am, as a matter of fact, here in Madrid attempting to solve a very remarkable mystery which occurred in London a few months ago. This is most interesting. You never told me that before, he exclaimed. I confess I wondered with what motive you and your friend, Signor Hambledon, living at separate hotels, had in remaining here. It was regarded as suspicious by the detective force that, being such intimate friends, you lived at separate hotels and met in only secret. Reports have reached me of your movements and of your meetings, he laughed. More than once you have been regarded as suspected persons, he added. Well, I hope you do not regard me as a suspected person any longer, Signor Andrade, I exclaimed with a smile. No, no, he laughed. 
but I confess you are something of a mystery. Why should the notorious Despojol dare to put his foot into Madrid and lay that deadly plot to kill you? You know the motive, and yet you will not disclose it to me. Not at present, I said. If it is found that Charles Rabel is really Despojol, then I will come forward and state all that I know. You promise that? I do. Very well. Then I will give orders to have your suspicions investigated, replied the patient, urbane official. A detective shall leave by next train for Montauban with a request to the prefect of police of the department of Tarnagarana for the arrest of the individual in question, if he should be identified. Then I will accompany him, I said. Excellent, he exclaimed. It will be well if Signor Rivero, the head of the detective department whom you have met, went in person to France. I will ring him up at his house. He took the telephone and a few minutes later spoke rapidly in Spanish to the chief detective of Spain. Presently, after a rapid conversation, he put down the receiver and said, Signor Rivero will meet you at the Delicia station at two o'clock tomorrow morning. The express for Barcelona leaves at two fifteen. From Barcelona you can get direct to Nimes and on to Montauban. And, he added, I only hope you will be successful in arresting the notorious Despujol. I thanked him and suggested that, if we should be fortunate enough to identify him, we should watch for the keeping of the appointment at the Hotel Luxembourg at Nimes on the following Monday. With whom is he keeping the appointment? asked Signor Andrade. That I will disclose later, was my reply. I know that the appointment has been fixed, and if we watch we shall, I feel assured, gain some knowledge of considerable interest. As you wish, replied the chief of police, who now seemed convinced by my manner that I was in possession of certain actual facts. You will meet Signor Rivero, eh? Certainly, I said. Then I wish the pair of you the good fortune of arresting the assassin, Despujol, he said as we shook hands and parted. I drove at once to Hambledon's hotel, where I found that he had just retired to bed. As he stood in his pajamas, surprised at my unexpected visit at that hour, I told him what I had arranged. Then I will remain here and watch de Gex's departure, he said. Yes, but be very careful of yourself, I urged. Keep your revolver handy, for you never know when an attack may be made upon you. These fellows, though great men in the eyes of the world, employ desperate characters to do their dirty work. I'm quite alive to that fact, Hugh, replied my friend. But we won't give up till we punish those responsible for poor Miss Tennyson's state, will we? No, we won't, I declared determinately. Of course, we may be on a wrong scent, but something seems to tell me that we are pretty hot on the trail. The assassin Despujol would never have been employed by them if they did not hold us in dread. Your journey to Montauban will prove whether you are right, Hugh, he said, and then, after arranging that he should follow Suzeau, should de Gex leave without him, and that he should at once wire me word to the Poste Restante and Nimes, I left and, returning to the hotel, packed my suitcase, and later met the bald-headed but famous detective. The latter proved to be an amusing companion who, during the long night journey to the Mediterranean, recounted to me many of his interesting experiences. His French was better than his English, so we conversed in the former tongue. There was no sleeping carriage upon the train, therefore, after my companion had spoken to the conductor, we made ourselves as comfortable as we could in the first-class compartment which had been reserved for us. 
at half-past three in the morning with true spanish forethought he produced some sandwiches fresh fruit and a bottle of excellent wine upon which we made a hearty meal after which we dozed in our corners till dawn throughout the day my companion who was quite as eager as myself to arrest the notorious despujol chatted in french as we went slowly down the fertile valley of the ebro and suddenly out to where on our right lay the broad blue sea not until late afternoon did we arrive at barcelona and having two hours to wait we went along the paseo de san juan to the francia station and having deposited our bags there strolled along to the plaza de luna where at the gay maison dorie we had coffee and cigarettes while my companion read the diario and i watched the picturesque crowd about us rivero knew barcelona well so after we had finished our cigarettes we took a taxi to the central police office where we had a chat with the chief of the detective department a short stout little man with a round boyish face and a black moustache after that we took another taxi along the toy fair in the plaza de la constitucion it being the feast of st george the patron saint of catalonia which accounted for the bustle and gaiety of the city then after an interesting half-hour we returned to the station and set out upon our slow eight-hour journey through the rich wine lands of catalonia with their quaint medieval villages and towns with occasional glimpses of sapphire sea and passing over many ravines and gullies we at last long after nightfall entered a long tunnel at the end of which was the station of Porbeau, the french frontier the usual prime douaniers were quickly at work and after some coffee at the restaurant Bocchi, which is so well known to travellers to southern spain we re-entered the train for narbonne where in the morning we changed and travelled to montauban by way of carcassonne and toulouse it was late in the afternoon when on arrival at our destination we took rooms at the hotel de midi on the opposite side of the tarn to the prosperous pleasant little french town once a headquarter of the inquisition and even now containing in its museum the executioner's axe and many instruments of torture after a wash and a meal for we were both very hungry we set out to find monsieur charles rabel whose address was rue de landais number one six three we crossed the wonderful old brick bridge from Bourbon to the town a bridge built in the fourteenth century with an internal passage running beneath the roadway to the ancient chateau then making our way past the old church of st jacques with its fine gothic octagonal tower and passing through a number of streets we found ourselves in the narrow old world rue de la la just as we entered the street which contained a number of small shops i halted he must not see me i exclaimed i quite agree replied the spanish detective there is a little cafe over there go in and wait for me i will make some discreet inquiries concerning this monsieur rabel hence we parted and while signor rivera sauntered along the street in search of the house in question i went into the cafe and ordered a buck full of anxiety lest after all this man rabel should be a respectable citizen i waited time passed slowly half an hour went by i ordered a mazagran and sat smoking trying to suppress my eagerness an hour elapsed an hour and a half two hours i waited yet another half hour until the proprietor of the cafe began to look askance at me then i paid and rising went out into the street it was now dark 
there was no sign of my friend the spanish police agent he had disappeared i stood upon the pavement full of anxiety and bewilderment what could have happened to him end of chapter nineteen recording by tom weiss tomsaudiobooks.com